So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to Exodus chapter, uh, chapter 14 today. Exodus chapter 14. As we continue this series, as we're going through the book of Exodus, we're going to be looking at the next part of the Exodus that takes place after they have left Egypt, after God has led them in a direction they weren't expecting. In fact, God didn't lead them in the easy direction. He was taking them south completely in a different direction than what would have been easy. And we looked at that last week. This week we're in chapter 14. But I want to ask you a question. Have you ever been in a tight spot? I mean a really tight place. You know, a, a, a place that whether you go left or right, it's not going to turn out well. Have you ever been there? Anybody ever been there besides me? How, how about the, the malpractice lawyer that has to have major surgery? That's a pretty tight spot when he finds himself in that position. Now, we can find ourselves in a lot of tight spots. We can be in a tight spot financially, mentally, emotionally, physically. We can, we can be in a tight spot relationally. We can be in a tight spot with our jobs, with our communities. And right now, many of us have found ourselves in tight spots when it comes to all that's been going on with this pandemic. This pandemic has been going on now for months, and it's put us in, in places and positions that we've never been in before. We're dealing with stuff we never thought would be possible for us to have to be looking at and dealing with each and every day. But here we are. We are in these particular places. And today, uh, I want you to, to know that Christianity does not promise an easy path, just a trustworthy God in the midst of that path. When it gets tight, it's not about how tight it gets. It's about how faithful our God is. And we just sang songs about His promises and how good and faithful He is. So if we sing those from our heart, do we really believe those in our lives? So let's dive in a little deeper and ask this question today. When we come to a place where we, we have run out of the why is this happening and, and, and we can't ask that no more. And it's got to a spot where we're going, how in the world did I get here? That's long gone and it's back because you're in such a spot all you can ask is what in the world am I going to do if I go one way it's a mess if I go another way it's a mess if I turn to the left or turn to the right it is absolutely a mess whether I go up or I go down it's going to be a mess regardless of what I do when you get to that spot what do we do glad you asked we're going to dive into that lean into God's word and understand a little bit about what's happening in our life as we see it in the lives of the children of Israel. Now we left last week, they had left Egypt and they were on their way south and they were, were headed in a direction they weren't expecting and God tells Moses at one point, he says, okay now stop, I want you to turn around and go back and camp at this particular spot right next to the water. And so Moses, being a great leader, he said, yes, Lord, that's exactly what I'll do. And so he had the children of Israel turn around, go back to that spot, and camp out. Now, in the meantime, someone comes to Pharaoh and says, Pharaoh, they're gone. And Pharaoh says, what in the world have we done? That was a dumb decision to let them go. Let's get our chariots. Let's get 600 chariots. Let's get men in those chariots. Let's go after them and get them. Because they're just wandering around in the wilderness. They're a bunch of dumb Israelites. They don't know what to do. They're just, they've just been building bricks. They can't survive out there. Let's go get them. So Pharaoh mounts up his stuff and he begins to pursue them. And he's running after them. I want us to look in verse 10. I want us to look in verse 10 and uh, re begin reading there. We're going to walk through the scriptures for the rest of the chapter today. As Pharaoh drew near, 
The sons of Israel looked, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they became very frightened, so the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord. Now, the children of Israel were sitting there, and they happened to look up, and they went, uh-oh. Have you ever had that moment in your life where you went, uh-oh? Somebody say, uh-oh. Say, uh-oh, like you really mean it, uh-oh. Oh, no. I, I can tell you that there have been times I said, uh-oh. Usually it was right after a word came out of my mouth and I said something and I went, uh-oh, I shouldn't have said that. But uh, sometimes we have to just go, uh-oh, right? And that's what the, the Israelites are doing. They're sitting there, they're looking, they went, uh-oh, here comes the Egyptians. We're in trouble. They're coming to get us. We are going to die. L let me tell you something. Horizontal thinking only looks at the Egyptians. It only looks at the circumstance and it creates panic within the Israelites. Can I tell you the same thing happens in our life? Sometimes we start looking at the things coming at us and what's going on around us and all we can do is panic. Anybody ever panicked before? I have. I, I, I remember just a few weeks, weeks ago a dog from across the street came over to me when I was putting out the trash can and that dog was barking and it wasn't a very nice bark. It wasn't a friendly bark. He wasn't saying, oh, it's so good to see you. He was saying, what are you doing? And it scared me and I panicked. My wife, I'm going to confess right here in front of all of you, my wife had to come out there and console me. I had a panic attack. I've never done that with a dog before. I grew up with being attacked by a dog when I was a little boy, and I had a fear inside of me. I didn't know it had grown to that level. But there was that moment of panic for me. And when we're only looking at the horizontal, that's what will happen inside of us and in our hearts and our minds. We'll begin to panic. We're filled with what we don't have, like an escape from it. We're, we're, we're feel, feared filled with fear, and, and we think it's impossible, but God is right there in the midst of it. So these Israelites are there, and the Egyptians are coming, and they're afraid. Let's look in verse 11. They, then they said to Moses, okay, they cried out to the Lord. I, I imagine it probably went something like this. Oh, God, what are you going to do now? I mean, what in the world are we going to do? I mean, I don't think it was a very reverent, let's fall on our knees and worship and pray right here. I think they just cry, cried out in a, just a moment, and then they turned to Moses. And here's why I think that. Look at what they said to Moses. Then they said to Moses, Is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you were... Do you think he's, that they said it like that? No. Let's, let's really grab the essence of how they say this. Verse 11, Then they said to Moses, is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt with us in this way, bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we spoke to you in Egypt saying, leave us alone? See, they were at a place where they weren't like reverently going, oh, this is, okay, Moses, tell us what to do. They had a sense of contempt because they were afraid. The Holy Spirit just spoke to me to tell somebody something. In the moments of fear, people will say things that's coming out of their heart and it may not necessarily be an attack upon you. We have to step back and understand that sometimes fear will take over someone and they will, they will say things that maybe down deep inside they are going to be sorry about. Here, they are afraid, they're panicking, they're scared, and they're saying things to Moses that, I'll be honest with you, if I was Moses, I'd have said, okay, well, all of you who feel this way, anybody else raise your hand? Great, I want you to go that way toward the Egyptians. 
But that is not what God wanted Moses to do because he had a great plan. Is this not the word that we spoke to you in Egypt in verse 12? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. Hello. For over 400 years they served the Egyptians and they did the same job day after day. They suffered, they made bricks, and they suffered. That's all they had known for over 400 years. So they said, let us serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. That's a tight spot when you choose your slavery over death. See, freedom is not something that is easily gotten. Freedom takes a price. For those who there are no price for their freedom, they never understand the essence of being free. Harriet Tubman said that she ran the Underground Railroad during the Civil War, and she declared she could have saved a lot more slaves if only she had been able to convince them that they were enslaved. They were happier being in Egypt than they were being free. And these people were, were kind of like that. So I want us to look at our great hope when we're in a tight spot like this. When no matter which way we go, it's not going to be good. When we are struggling and things are tough, what do we do? So let's look at a great hope today. And this is found in verse 14. But I want to read verses 13 and 14 getting to 14 because 14, man, this is powerful. This is incredible. Verse 13, But Moses said to the people, Do not fear. Remember what the first thing is that happened when they saw the Egyptians? They were afraid. Moses says, Do not fear! Exclamation point. Stand by and see the salvation of the Lord, which He will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you will never see them again forever. Here's verse 14. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. Here's the great hope. The Lord will fight for you. Somebody say, the Lord will fight for you. The Lord will fight for you. you. This is about really when he says the Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. Think about this. For over 400 years, who was fighting for the children of Israel? Nobody. They wouldn't fight for themselves. The Egyptians sure wouldn't fight for them. Nobody was fighting for the Egyptians. Nobody believed they were worth their time to spend anything with them. But the Lord steps up this day and Moses says, The Lord will fight for you. How does Moses know this? It's because Moses... He knew God was faithful in what he said. He knew that if God said he's going to do it, he's going to do it. And he believed that the Lord was going to fight in a way they had never seen before. I don't know if Moses knew the full plan at this point. He didn't have to know the full plan. Can I tell you something today? I've mentioned this before when I'm preaching. God, God wants you to be faithful in what you know today before He can give you more about tomorrow and the next step. Until you take the step God's called you to do right now, He, he cannot reveal to you what your next step is. So be faithful and be, be focused and say, it's time for me to take this step. Now we see here that Moses is saying, the Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. One translation uses the word peace. While you keep peace. Psalm 46.10 says, to cease striving, be still, and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. 
Our God, He is in heaven. And let me tell you something. Moses did not sign up for this job. Moses was a shepherd and he was happy with his sheep. Moses was okay to be out there wandering around in the wilderness. He had been doing that for 40 years. He may have been getting time for retirement. We don't know. But he had been out there being a shepherd for a long time. But then God called him to do something else. At first, Moses was resistant. He's like, you got the wrong person. I can't even speak. Finally, God convinces him and he says, okay, God, I'll go. And he goes and he does this. He didn't sign up for this job. He didn't, he didn't go to the Welcome Center after a service one day and put his name on a list and say, hey, I'll, I'll go and, and free the children of Israel. I'll be your spokesman. He didn't sign up for it, but he finds himself in the middle of something. And God equipped him and got him ready for this moment. See, I want us to look at our deliverance and how it applies to what we see here and how it really works into our hearts. Because this is not an easy truth. Listen, listen carefully. God God will shape us into the image of Christ even if it means breaking our wheels. Let me say that again. God will work to shape us into the image of Christ even if it means breaking our will. And this is where the Israelites got. They had to be put into a spot that was so tight, no matter which way they turned, it was going to be impossible. The very first thing I want us to talk about about our deliverance is this, is that tight places will change us. I see heads nodding. Tight places will change us. Now, we can allow God to do His great work and change us to be more like Jesus Christ, to be more like the biblical idea of who we should be. Or we can continue to rebel against that and try to do it our way. And for those who's living a life of mess and you keep trying to do it your way, how's that working out for you? God wants the tight places to change us in our relationship with God and, and who we are. Charles Spurgeon said, trials teach us what we are. They dig up the soil and let us see what we are really made of. Trials can change us because we can begin to see who we truly, truly are. See, the old must be revealed before we can realize there is a need for the new. And trials, tight places, will change us. Verses 11 and 12 right here. Look at their attitudes in 11 and 12. Then they said to Moses, Is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt with us in this way? Bring us out of Egypt. Is this not the word that we spoke to you in Egypt, saying, Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in this wilderness. That's their attitude. But now I want you to look in verse 14, this, this powerful verse. The Lord will fight for you, for you while you keep silent. You don't have to fight. Moses don't have to fight. The Lord will fight for you. And now let's look at their attitude in verse 31. These same people in verse 31. When Israel saw the great power which the Lord had used against the Egyptians. Here's the change. The people feared the Lord rather than the Egyptians. And they believed in the Lord and His servant Moses. 
There was a change that took place because they were in a tight spot. So let me tell you something. When James says, to count it all joy, my brethren, when you enter trials, sometimes that trial is going to take you to a place in your relationship with God you had never been able to get to had you not been in that tough, tight spot. So God was working and there was a change that took place in their life. The second thing is this, that tight places will force us to look up. Because you know what? We really like to do, let's just be honest, we don't really like to look up to Him first, do we? We like to look around and try to figure it out. We like to try to do it ourselves. Let's just be honest. I'm a fixer. I like to fix things. If something's broke, I'll fix it. But here, when we get in a tight spot where there is nowhere to look except up, that's what tight places will do. And when we do that, change can take place that will be positive. As we look here in verses 10 through 14, as we were reading that story of how they were afraid and, and they came back at Moses in kind of a, I'd, I'd call it a snotty attitude, just to be honest with you. They just had a really bad attitude toward Moses. And they come at him with that. But we see in verse 31, everything has changed. What's the difference? What Moses told them to do. What Moses told them to do and how Moses got them to focus. But Moses said to the people, do not fear. Stand by and see the salvation of the Lord. He didn't say see, see their salvation, did he? Moses didn't say, stand by and see your salvation today. No, he said, stand by and see the salvation of the Lord. When we're in a tight spot sometimes, sometimes it's going to take a few moments for us to get out of it. It's going to take us having faith. It's going to take us standing by so that we can see the salvation of the Lord. We like it immediate, don't we? It's like a microwave. Man, i got a tight spot. Let me put it in the microwave and, and hit. They've got it so easy now. All you got to do is just hit, walk up and hit a button. I mean, one press. Open the door. Stick it in. Three minutes, just hit the three and walk away. Come back later, open it up, it's all done. I mean, they've made it so easy for us. That's because that's what our flesh wants. We want it easy, don't we? God understands that we'll never be who He has called us to be in the beauty of Jesus Christ and looking like Him if we always have it easy. Because if it's always easy, you know where we're going to look? We're going to look in the mirror and say, Man, I sure am glad I got to see you today. You look as good as ever. In fact, you look better today than you did yesterday. Mirror, mirror on the wall, there is nobody better than me. We get to that point, don't we? We get to where we're looking at ourselves. Oh, wow. But when we get in a tight spot, when we get so low, there's no place to look but up, that's when God's going to do His great work. He brings us to a place where He alone can deliver us. Why did God have them camp there? Why did God tell them, turn around, go back, and camp right there? In, in essence, God was saying, I want you to go back and camp right there so the Egyptians can catch up with you. <laughs> so that things can get a little worse. So things can get a little tight. But man, the story gets good. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's all things that we can do through Christ who strengthens me. It's not my strength. It's Jesus who gives us the strength. And this day, God would do something greater than they ever imagined. Third thing is this. God gets the glory when He does the fighting. God gets the glory when He fights the battle. See, when we fight the battle and we win, who do we normally want to? 
point the finger at? Me. I saved the company $3 million last year. And next year you may lose them $5 million. Watch your tongue. Be careful. Pride comes before the fall. When God fights the battle, He can get the glory. And that's what His essence and what He wants to happen. To happen. We read in the very first part of chapter 14 where, where God is, is giving Moses this idea that the Egyptians, the Egyptians are going to come. You're going to face them again. It's not over, Moses. You're about to see them again. But it's going to be so that all the uh, people in Egypt will know that I am the Lord and the God. Because the Egyptians worshipped all kinds of gods. But it was time for the world to know there was only one true God. And so we even see this here in verse 15. When the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the sons of Israel to go forward. As for you, lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the sons of Israel shall go through the midst of the sea on dry land. As for me, behold, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so they will go in after them. And I will be honored through Pharaoh and all of his army, through the, his chariots and his horsemen. God was going to receive honor and glory in what was about to happen. Then the Egyptians, in verse 18, will know that I am the Lord when I am honored through Pharaoh, through his chariots and his horsemen. So what actually takes place? Well, there was, there was that, that, that pillar of cloud and fire that was was going before them to lead them everywhere that they were to go. Well, that pillar of cloud and fire moved itself and went behind the children of Israel and protected them from the Egyptians. In other words, think of this. You've got a great body of water in front of you. On the left, there's mountains and rocks too high to climb. On the right, there are mountains and rocks too high to climb. And behind you are a bunch of people who want you dead. They were in a tight, tight spot. And God moves that pillar and cloud and puts it between them and the Egyptians. Let me tell you something. It was God that caused the division between what was past and what was about to happen. It was God who moved in such a way to say that which enslaved will no longer touch my people. Let me tell you something. God Himself moved from heaven to earth. He was born as a baby, died on a cross, rose from the grave so that He could declare to you and I that which enslaved us we will be set free from forever and never have to worry about that being a part of our life anymore. We can be living in freedom, ladies and gentlemen. Because God has done a great work. That pillar of cloud and fire, that cross, if you will, has made the difference in everything. The Red Sea opened and it closed. Not at the command of Moses, but at the hand of God. God told Moses what to do. And you know what Moses had to do? Obey. He had to just simply obey. And I don't know about all of you, but when I think of this story, how many of you think of Charlton Heston standing out there on the rock? Come on, let's be honest. Don't let me be the only one in the room. I watched that as a kid and forever forged in my brain is that movie. Can you imagine being the children of Israel, huddled up with your family, going, what are we going to do? We are going to die. This has been the craziest 
last few weeks of our life. We've never seen anything like this, and now we're even in a tighter spot than we were before. What are we going to do? And then this man, Moses, that you don't know a whole lot about, he steps up on a rock, he raises his staff, reaches out his hand, and all of a sudden the water begins to part. Wow. What would you and your family begin to say then? Ooh, I don't know about you, but I, could, I just got chills going up and down my spine immediately when I just began to imagine that. That God begins to move and that water begins to part. Ooh, and the wind begins to blow on the, on the ground. And those Egyptians, they can't touch me. They can't touch You know what I would have done? Check this out. I would have turned around and I went, Hmm. Ah, Pharaoh. You ain't so tough now, are you? But it came time. And that wind blew all night long and it began to get morning. And Moses said, Come on, let's go. And they walked across on dry ground. Now, let me tell you something. It's a miracle that that water parted. And there are a lot of, of, of professionals out there, and there's a lot of theologians and a lot of people that have commented about where the crossing was at and, and blah, 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 blah. But let me tell you something. Whether it was there or over here, they crossed on dry ground in the midst of a great body of water. And on the left was a wall of water, and on the right was a wall of water. They walked by and saw Nemo. Hey, Nemo, what's up? You know, this was a miracle. And so they get across to the other side. They get across to the other side. And then it came time for the Egyptians. Because we read where it said the Lord would harden their heart and they'd come in after them. And Moses said, this day the Lord will fight for you and you'll never see the Egyptians again. And it came time. And God moved that that pillar, that cloud of fire, and that cloud from between them. And Pharaoh said, let's go. He wasn't scared. He's a warrior. He took in out, out after them. Dust flying everywhere. The, the sound of horses and, and, and their feet as they hit the ground had to be like thunder. The screaming, the hollering as they're running into this great miracle. And they're going to chase down the Israelites. I don't know about you, but when someone's bigger than me, I don't think I want to fight them. When you see this great miracle, <laughs> what kind of numbskull does it take to run into the water that's been split? I mean, I, I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm going, hello. But God worked it in such a way that the children of Israel, were, they were going to witness that their enemy had been defeated. They run down in there, and it even says in here, that is so amazing. Verse 24, at the morning, watch, the Lord looked down on the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud and brought the army of the Egyptians into confusion. The enemy became confused. He caused their chariot wheels to swerve and he made them drive with difficulty so that the Egyptians said this. Look at this in verse 25. Let us flee from Israel. For the Lord is fighting for them against the Egyptians. You think? Which one was it? The pillar of the cloud you know, and fire? Or was it that the water parted? Or that the ground was dry? At what point did it finally dawn on you that the Lord was fighting for them? Let me tell you something. They said it when it was too late. 
Because, read verse 26, Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may come back over the Egyptians, over their chariots and their horsemen. Let me tell you today, don't wait until it's too late. Don't keep trying to reason and push off the idea of God working and that God's doing stuff. Don't continue to push Him away because at some point it's going to be too late. Don't be the one to say, oops. So the waters come back over the Egyptians. Verse 27, so Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its normal state at daybreak. While the Egyptians were fleeing right into it, then the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. Verse 28, the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen, even Pharaoh's entire army that had gone into the sea after them. Not even one of them remained. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. But the sons of Israel walked on dry land through the midst of the sea, and the waters were, were like a wall to them on the right hand and on their left. Verse 30, Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. When Israel saw the great power which the Lord had used against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and they believed in the Lord and in His servant Moses. At that moment, everything changed. God was to get the glory. Chuck Swindoll wrote in his journal, When I panic, I run. When I run, I lose. When I lose, God waits. When I trust, He fights. When He fights, He wins. When He wins, I win. When I win, I learn. There is a process that has to take place sometimes in our mind and our hearts where we say, Lord, you fight this battle. I'm in a tight spot. Unfortunately, we have to get in those tight spots sometimes, don't we? Where there is no way out before we'll look up and we'll trust the Lord to do the fighting for us. So what must I do? What must we do? Well, number one, we need to believe God. Believe God when He says He will fight for you. We sang a song earlier, In Jesus' Name. And it began with these words, God is fighting for us. How many of you believe that today? Oh, come on now. Do you understand that God is fighting for us? God is on our side. He has overcome. Yes, He has overcome. We will not be shaken. We will not be moved. Jesus, you are here. Let me tell you something. When I look at this verse, I get excited about that song. Because God said, Moses said to the people, The Lord will fight for you. Just be still. The Lord's going to fight for you. He is fighting for us. God is on our side. He has overcome. No matter what you're faced with, no matter how tight the situation, God is already fighting for you. He's already got the victory. So just step back. Let Him do the fighting. I guarantee you, if I found myself in a tight situation, I often will go to lunch and there will be some police officers around me. And it is, it is quite remarkable to be sitting at a table with about five or six police officers around you. And, and I'm thinking, I'm, I'm safe right now. And I guarantee you, 
I guarantee you that if a bad guy came in the front door, I'm not going to fight the fight. They're going to fight the fight. Why? Because I trust them. I know their skill, their abilities. They can fight the fight, and I don't have to engage. That fight's already won because of who they are. Let me tell you something. Because of who God is, He's already fought the fight. He's ready to fight your fight. If you'll just let Him fight the fight. God is, God is fighting for us. He is on our side. He has overcome. Yes, He has overcome, ladies and gentlemen. Somebody say praise the Lord. Help me preach this morning. I promise I'm almost done. To trust God in the light is nothing. But to trust Him in the dark, that is faith. That is trust and belief. Charles Spurgeon said that. We have to believe God. Second thing is, is we must move forward in faith. This is what I love in verse 15. Sometimes we get in a tight spot and we just freeze, don't we? We don't know what to do. But look what the Lord said to Moses, verse 15. Why are you crying out to me? I would think that would be a good idea, right? I mean, cry out to the Lord. Moses, uh, the Lord says to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the sons of Israel to go forward. <coughs> Excuse me. To go forward. As, you, as for you, lift up your staff and stretch out your hand. God told Moses to go forward, to not just be standing there doing nothing. Expect God's mighty hand to work. Go forward. We need to move forward in our faith. We need to move forward in faith as to what God has called us to do and what we need to be doing. Instead of wondering and waiting and logically just sitting back and doing nothing. If God has called you to move forward, move forward for God is fighting for us. You know what, I, there's a lot of things in this world that I just don't like. I don't like cancer. I don't like the coronavirus. I don't like what it's done to our, our, our culture. I don't like what it's done mentally to people, that there's more fighting and disputes and divisions than ever before. But I know that it is the enemy that is waging this war, but I know who has already won the battle. God is fighting for us. He has already won, and we can praise and lift Him up. The band is going to come up to the stage right now and start getting ready. We're going to sing that song again. Would that be okay? Because now that we've looked at this scripture, let's empower these, the words of this song with the power of scripture. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. It's not about whether you've got all the answers. It's not about whether you know all the right ways. It's just simply about Him fighting the fight. As a matter of fact, over the next seven, seven days, here's your challenge. Here's your seven-day challenge. You ready for this? What is one thing I can do to move forward this week in my faith? What is one thing I can do this week to just move forward in whatever God's called me to do? What is that one thing? And let me tell you something. If it doesn't scare you, it's probably not in faith that you'll be doing it. Faith takes believing something that scares you to death. Maybe you're in a tight spot today. Maybe you're worried. Maybe there's a lot of stuff that's just been going on. Can I tell you something? We're about to sing. The Lord is fighting for us. He is on our side. Let's sing it like we've never sung it before. 
If you're at home, I want you to sing it like you've never sung it before. Let's look at these words. Let's understand that God is fighting for us. He is on our sides. Pray with me. Please stand and pray with me right now. Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for your, the move of your spirit, the words of your testimony that we find in Scripture, that you are fighting for us. You are on our side. That, Lord, you have already overcome. And since you're fighting the fight, why should we worry? Because you've already won. We will live and we will not die because of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. You are alive and living in us and we have been set free in Jesus' name. Lord, may we grab hold of that. May we understand we can move forward because you're fighting for us. Let us no longer be timid and afraid. But let us stand with boldness to declare, God, you're fighting for us. You are on our side. Lord, right now, move in our hearts and our minds that we may sing and worship you with this song like never before. As if we were the children of Israel on the other side. Because I guarantee you, they would outsing me that day if we were to sing that song. Because they would have looked and they, they would have seen the waters come back together. They would have seen the Egyptians on the shore. And they would have been declaring, God is fighting for us. He is on our side. So Lord... May it stir our hearts to sing like never before to you in the belief and faith that you are fighting for us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen.